0: All right, BradCooney.com Associates with ACN Networks is here with Chef Tom Ramsey of the hit TV show ABC's The Taste. Tom, thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. All right, Tom. So we're going to go over a couple questions here, sure. from social media and some questions that I have for you. you. Just fire away. Great, man. All right. I guess the first and foremost, I want to find out how this all came about. How did you end up on
1: the show? Well, I had done a show called Grocery Games with Guy Fieri. And once you get on the radar of these casting agents, they, they call you with a lot of offers. Uh, I've been called to do numerous shows, none of which I really accepted because I was um, in the middle of opening a new restaurant. And So um, the, the, the casting people from The Taste called, and initially I just said no. I um, was flattered, but I just didn't think I had the time. And they but they were persistent. They called back a few more times and um, said, Look, don't worry about coming out for a you know, a cattle call or anything like that. Just just do a Skype interview. And I said, Okay, yeah, that that I can do. And so I did a Skype interview with them and um, had a few more calls and next thing I know they're they're making me an offer to be on the taste. Any idea how many people that actually one after? I mean is there? Well, there were thousands and thousands of people that showed up at the um, at the open casting calls. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as how many they contacted directly, I, mean, I have no idea. But uh, I know that you know, some of the contestants that I was uh, on the show with talked about you know going through the open casting call process, where they're in a, in a hotel room with hundreds and hundreds mm-hmm. and hundreds of people, and. Um, they do a early round interview and callback interviews and second callback interviews and you know so it, it, for for some people it was a very exhausting process but because I'd kind of already been through that process with okay. grocery games. Yeah, I was a little more known commodity than, uh, than some of the other people that went to the open calls. Okay, cool. Now, so the show,
0: and it's, it's ironic because I wasn't even going to watch the premiere. I mean, I just got so sick of all the negative news on TV with the riots and the protesters and sure. wars. And I, you know, and I said, you know what, I'm off the news for a while. And I happened to see, I was scrolling to my TV preview guy, I see the taste, I think, I love food. I'm gonna watch that show. Yeah. and there you were. So I was like, "Oh wow, that's cool." The guy from Jackson, Mississippi, on this show. I want. I want to talk to this guy. Sure. It, it, it basically, is, uh, the show is set up to where world-renowned chefs,
1: food people, for, for the greatest stores, chefs in the world, in for the a, world, like, literally got the greatest, chefs by world. Anthony Bourdain. I got pickball three. That's right, the that, But
0: but but you selected him. I went with okay, Bourdain. Yeah, Clear I, that
1: up. Sure. Um, in the process, um, you, you, you you make one bite. It goes before the four mentors, mm-hmm. and then they decide if they want to offer you a spot on their team. Mm-hmm. If one person offers you a spot, then you're automatically on their Ludo, team. Right. Uh, if more than one, then you get to choose uh, which team you're going to go with. Um, I was I was chosen by three of the four mentors. Um, I was chosen by uh, Nigella Lawson, uh, by Marcus Samuelson, and uh, Anthony Bourdain. Ludo, uh, unfortunately, yeah, Ludo, Ludo didn't... He right. didn't pick me. He liked the dish, but he didn't pick me. Um, so, you know, it was uh, I was down to those three, and it was a very tough decision. It wasn't something that I just you know jumped on and went with Team Bourdain. As a matter of fact, I was really leaning toward Marcus Samuelson. I had almost made up my mind that I was going to go with Marcus. Samuelson. What was it? What was it the deciding factor there? Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of I'm fairly stubborn, and when somebody dares me to do something, I, I Tend to just step in there. So, you know, they had heard my story about being an investment banker and changing careers late in life, and and the fact that I'd given up a career in investment banking to be a cook. And then I opened a restaurant, and um, Bourdain said, um, You know, you've made some terrible decisions in your life. You've made some really, really terrible decisions by leaving a good job to be a cook, and an even worse decision to leaving a, being a cook to open a restaurant so I dare you to make one more terrible decision and choose me oh, great. what a pitch oh it was it, a I, I'm a sucker for stuff like that yeah. and, uh,
0: and so I went with, uh, with Team Bourdain all right. Now, obviously, you can't get into specifics because the show's still going on. Sure. Um, but can you talk a little bit about the experience working with such a guy like,
1: like, like Mr. Bodega? Well, um, he kind of epitomizes cool. You know, he's got that, that New York, uh, mm-hmm. New York swagger. I mean, this is a this is a man who's traveled, you know, all over the world. Of course, at his TV show on The Edge, yeah, that. he has traveled all over the world. He's eaten with and knows some of the best chefs in the world. He's got a really good palate. Uh, his palate leans more toward Asian cooking, um, mm-hmm. which is not really my specialty, but um, but yeah, he's, he's best friends with Eric Repair. Yeah. And, yeah. There you go. That's he <laughs> that sums know, that you, up. You don't get any any, any better than that. Um, and you know, he's, um, you know, he's got that you know, smart-ass swagger, and that, that's, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of drawn to that because I'm a bit of a smart-ass myself. Right, right. He does have that New York swag to him.
0: You know, and, and then... I saw a little snippet of the show where they showed you in action for sure. the show and you're doing your thing and um, Anthony Bourdain said you know, he, he offered you a little constructive criticism and you look like you were it almost is like he's a pretty, pretty intimidating guy sometimes what was, talk about not really intimidating yeah, um, talk about that experience so like, what, well, sure what, I mean in it, there with him like I,
1: that. I'm the kind of person I, I appreciate criticism sure it's, it's how we get better um, you don't always agree with it um, you know there's there's criticism that comes from an emotional level, and there's criticism that comes from an instructive level, and sometimes those two can cross each other. Um, yeah, his criticism that you're referencing was, uh, he didn't want anybody to put fried rosemary on my griots and grits. Because um, he said nobody's grandmother garnishes with uh, with griots and grits. Well, nobody's grandmother does what my dad did. Um, and um, But, you know... My my thing with garnishes and with adding stuff to dishes is, does the addition make it better? If it doesn't make it better, if it just makes it more, it's pointless. Mm -hmm. But if it makes it better... That it belongs there, um, and in my opinion, a little fried rosemary makes grits and grits a little better. Uh, you get a little toasty flavor, you get some piney, earthy notes, and mm-hmm. it, it adds another layer. Um, now, whether it fit in exactly with the challenge we were talking about, yeah, who knows? That's right. that's that's a very subjective thing. That the um, that the, that the guest judges and guest mentors are, are judging on, but um, obviously it works, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, the, he, he chose the spoon that he thought would be safe, and um, it was safe. That's great, man. All right, um,
0: talk a little bit about the competition, what it was like competing against such tough competition. It like was that.
1: really interesting. I'd watched the, the prior two seasons, and... Um, and thought to myself, okay, this 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 doesn't look like too tough of competition. You know, it looks it's not at the level of Top Chef, but it's you know certainly higher than some of the other shows. I thought, you know, maybe I got I got a long shot chance at this. You know, I can go on here and hang with them for a while. Um, I got on the show, and um, when we were in the audition round, I was just talking to there was there was you know 36 people there, and. There's 36 people competing for 16 slots. And that was really intimidating because there was some incredibly high bar talent yeah. in the room. Um, and it really looked like that the casting people this year went over and above. I mean, they just did an incredible job to, to run down some of the top talent in the country. And, you know, when I was in the room with these guys and competing against them for these slots uh it was very obvious to me that I'm a long shot you know uh, wow. i've been in this business 6 years i've been cooking professionally for 6 years i've done a lot in those 6 years but there's you know that's not much time. It's not much time compared to some some people. Yeah. Uh, you know, some of these guys uh, have been professionals since they were teenagers. You know, and mm-hmm. so it was it was a little intimidating going up against some of the people who were who were arguably some of the best chefs in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my goal was just to hang in there as long as I could hang in there and give it a good shot. You know, but I yes. always looked at myself as a long shot. But yeah, uh, you know, sometimes that long shot horse will uh, will catch it on that back straightaway. That's right. right. <laughs> and you don't know whether the horse might break coming out of the coming out of the gate. You never. know. That's right. The hot shot thoroughbreds will blow an ankle real yeah, quick coming exactly. out of the gate. Exactly. All right, share
0: something that you learned about your craft that you didn't know previously to going into the
1: show. Going into the show, I, I I didn't know nearly as much about Asian and North African um, mm-hmm. food. Uh, and because of one of my teammates, uh, I learned an incredible amount about uh, North African spices. Um, Tarr is just incredible. I mean, just a fantastic chef and knows, he's the spice guy. And I learned a lot about um, how to temper different spices and how to balance different spices from Tariq. Um, I learned, um, and I learned a little bit about Asian food from really listening to everybody. Um, there was a lot of, of Asian influence going on with um, with these different chefs. And, <laughs> and that I didn't use a lot of it, but I picked up on some, some neat little tips and techniques and things like that interesting i have two daughters from vietnam oh do you really and i don't even know what i'm eating half the time but it's <laughs> sure good man oh man one, one of the best really meals tough. yeah one of the best meals i had when we were in l.a was uh, we went um benjamin burke and i um, had a day off and
0: mm-hmm.
1: benjamin and i he was on team ludo we went down to grand central market uh in uh, downtown l.a it's a food court mm-hmm. uh, fruit market meat market and uh, i had some vietnamese sticky rice that was oh, oh. yeah <laughs> oh yeah. man it's great that and they had a t- curry thai soup that was so hot it made my hair sweat but it was <laughs> 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 yes uh, some of the vietnamese food it, it was, in general it was
0: rice. fantastic yeah great stuff okay here's a question i wanted to mix in here from social media sure um this is from a from a guy named ed who i know very well he's he's, he's a bachelor he's a good guy sure um he wants. He said, he's asked the chef um, what's a very simple but delicious dish that a guy can that a guy can prepare for a gal
1: to impress her, like a first date thing." But is this a first date or a third date? I mean, yeah, it's actually, I think this is early in the game. He's talking about. Okay, yeah. so uh, first date dinners are a whole lot different than third date dinners, right? Okay. You know, uh, a first date dinner, you don't want to come off as a jerk and, and cook over the top. Good point. First date dinner, you want to just you it wants to you want to play it cool. You want to make it look effortless. Mm. Uh, the Italians have a word for it called strettura, which mm. which just means a certain nonchalance that makes the most difficult things on earth look. Hold on. Oh yeah, it's whatever. Yes. Of course, I look like this. You know, <laughs> so, yeah. I just woke up. I rolled out of bed. Of course, I look like this. Mm-hmm. And so, to do something like that uh, really is more about about timing. So uh, for a first date, I would suggest making a whole roasted chicken. Right? It's something that you make. You, you, you prepare it. You get it in the oven. It's going to sit there for an hour and a half. You put it in before she gets there. So when she gets there, you're not rushing around the kitchen. You're just waiting for the chicken to come out of the oven. timer goes off. You pull the chicken out. You let it rest. You carve the chicken. Hey, you know, you've spent most of your time. Chatting up this beautiful lady, you've invited over to your house for a first date. Good stuff, man. That's what you want on the first date. Third date, you go for the flashy dish. You know, you go for the the uh, steak au poivre, where you're, you know, flaming off brandy in a pan, and, and you know, <laughs> right. That that's you know that that's kind of to reel it in. But the first date, it needs to be, you know, a very simple tossed salad that you've already tossed and you've got waiting in the refrigerator. Uh, a really nice. You know, roasted root vegetables uh, and, and and a roasted chicken. And uh, give this guy my email address. I'll send him my my, my recipe for I'll roasted that, chicken. Yeah, it, is name my, re- my recipe for roasted chicken is guaranteed to get him the second date. Okay, one more. I got I got well, a few more, but sure. here's another one from social media.
0: Um, please ask the chef in his opinion. Is there a food out there that's just very difficult to get
1: right when you're trying to cook it? You know, I wouldn't say there's an individual food out there that's difficult to get right, but there there is the difficulty in getting something right is the simplicity you can hide a myriad of sins in a dish that's got nine moves if you've got something like a spaghetti carbonara okay you've got spaghetti you've got brown butter you've got bacon you've got egg you've got lemon juice mm-hmm. sweet salt savory sour bitter you know all of that stuff in, in, in one dish mm-hmm. which means you have to balance those things too much lemon zest taste sour, too much fat it's just one note, too much, you know, too much salt and the whole dish is ruined. So, in in my opinion, simple dishes are the most difficult to do extremely well. And it just takes a lot of practice and a lot of repetition and a lot of training your own palate to recognize what does this need? Does it need more salt, less salt, more acid, less acid, more sweet, more heat, more, Mm -hmm. you the, the really simple dishes are, in my opinion, more difficult to execute perfectly. That being said, there are so many great recipes out there that start with the very simple dishes and I always tell cooks, start with the simple recipes, follow them exactly, follow them fanatically exactly and try it and you'll see Wow, that's a recipe that's been written down and used over and over and over again. Right, right? Um, Master those basics, and then nothing seems difficult. Um, people don't know that Picasso was one of the greatest, realist painters ever. Mm-hmm. And the reason he was a great cubist is that he learned to be a realist to start with. Uh-huh. Absolutely, that's true. Learn the basics.
0: Okay. Um, now, my friend Mary, she had some ladies at her house the other night, and of uh-huh. course she got wind through my, so, my social networks so that you were going to be a guest on my podcast show. So she has some of her girls jump at the opportunity to ask you some questions. Ask away, Mary's friends. Okay, so here comes Mary's friends' questions. This one's asking for Mary. Uh, Mary wants to know, do you need to let meat rest before slicing and serving it?
1: Only if you want it to be juicy. (laughs) That's that's,
0: (laughs) that's easy enough. There you go, Mary. Yeah,
1: um, my my recommendation is always five minutes to the pound. Uh, Five minutes to the pound. Five minutes to the pound. I'd rather have... if you, if you take meat and slice it too quickly, um, there, there's a reaction that happens within, within the meat. The protein, all the moisture in the protein is, forces itself to the center when the heat is coming from the outside. When the heat source is removed, the, the, the liquids and juices slowly work their way back through the rest of the flesh, back out to the edges where it's seared, mm-hmm. and so it can't escape. If you break that sear with a knife, if you cut it, when those juices are coming back out, they've got somewhere to go. They end up all over your cutting board, not in the meat. The meat may look beautiful, but now it's going to be dry. So I say five minutes to the pound. People say, "Well, it's going to be cold." Well, that's what a hot plate is for. Ah, yes. That's so you serve, you know, you serve the, the, the rested meat on a very hot plate, mm-hmm. and so now the edges of the meat that are touching the plate are hot when they go in your mouth. So you get that, that you experience the heat from the plate but the juices are still in the meat. So five minutes to the pound. That means a turkey has got to rest for over an hour. And the turkey is a good segue to my next, the next question. Um, and this person
0: wanted to know, when you cut, slice turkey, mm-hmm. is it better to slice with the grain or against the grain?
1: Well, when I, when I slice turkey, I um, first I, I take it apart. Let it rest. Let it rest at least an hour. Sometimes an hour and a half to two hours, depending on how big the bird is. Okay. Uh, you, you take it apart like you were deconstructing the bird. You know, cutting it into its major parts. Mm-hmm. You take the thighs off. You take the wings off. Mm-hmm. Then you um, take the knife and run it down the center of the um, of the breast, and um, you know, carve the breast out. And then it'll be a an <laughs> oblong lobe of breast. Mm-hmm. And then you 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 slice it um, across the center. Okay and um that's i never slice it straight down the sides I, I always remove the breast itself and then slice it okay good stuff all right and um, alicia wants
0: to know is coconut oil healthy for you
1: you know i don't know but it's delicious yeah you know it might
0: not be a chef question <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have. A, sure good. I, I would go ask a nutritionist. Um, you know, coconut oil is one of those things that uh, I, I make. I cook all my popcorn in coconut oil, mm-hmm. oh, and cool. it uh, it makes the best popcorn in the world. Um, you know, I don't think there's anything out there that, by its nature, is unhealthy if eaten in moderation. Um, That's true. You know, butter by its own nature is not a bad thing. Eating a stick of butter <laughs> may be a bad thing. True. Um, But um, I I, I tend to think that that using something in its natural state, even though if it's a, quote, bad for you thing, is better than whatever chemical process they have to go through to make something else taste like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I would say no, but uh, coconut oil is not healthy, but call a nutritionist, that's...
0: Okay, um, Maria
1: wants to know, is it better to use margarine or butter when baking? By the fact that Marie even asked me that question,
0: these are questions it that are...
1: makes me uh, Maria. Maria, use butter, honey. Don't, don't use margarine. Step, put down the margarine, and step away from the bundt cake.
0: <laughs> there you go, Maria. That one's easy. Um, how do you keep from crying
1: when cutting onions? Tremaine wants to know. <laughs> don't be a pussy.
0: <laughs> there you go. Uh,
1: well, I've, I've, there's a lot of different ways people have said. That, um, to not cry with onions, you can light a candle, you can uh, wear ski goggles, you can, or you can just, you know, get used to chopping onions. Personally, I've been cutting onions. You know, I, we, we cut hundreds and hundreds of, we go through fifty-pound bags of onions, and I cry the whole time. I mean, my, my eyes are so sensitive to it that you just you work through it. Just um, wing it, I guess. Yeah, you get a fan. Uh, a fan is really helpful because the uh, it's just little particles in the air, and so if you're moving that air around, it's going to help. But you know. Work fast. There you go. Work fast. Get to where you where you can just yeah. exactly exactly get get your knife skills better.
0: Okay, a few more. Um, and of course, these, these are fun. These questions. These are just regular Joe's. You know I'm that I'm all about it. Okay. Um, okay. Liz wants to know. She says, "I usually cook boneless chicken breast, but I have, whoop, of course, my, my, my laptop times out. Let's try this again. I usually cook boneless
1: chicken breast, but I have heard bone in chicken breast taste better. Is that true?" A, thighs taste better than breasts. Okay. <laughs> B, roasting something on the bone is always going to impart more flavor. Um, anything that's cooked on the bone will impart more flavor. Leave the skin on, leave the bones on. Um, and I try to tell people, learn how to cook a whole chicken. Because if you cook a whole chicken, um, then you've got you've got very tender, very succulent, much more you know, flavorful meats. And then you can use the bones to make stock. You can cut up the, you know, pick the little pieces off the bones to mm-hmm. to make chicken salad, and you, just less goes to waste. Whole chickens are always better than boneless chickens, you know, absolutely. Why? Why? My question: Why is it better with the bones? Well, the, the bones have have marrow and have this this flavoring. the flavors in there. Absolutely, gotcha. Okay.
0: Uh, I'm not sure if you have an answer for this one or not, but it's a wine question. I'm a sommelier. How do you know if wine has gone bad? If it tastes bad, simple as that, huh? It's there's a lot of, uh, of tasting. Sure.
1: Yeah, you're going to get. Um, there's different different ways wine can go bad. There's oxidation. There's um, there's it can be corked. It can have botrytis. If it's got a um, Kind of a, a sweet raisiny kind of flavor, uh, that tells you that it's one thing could have gone wrong with it. It's got a wet cardboard kind of taste, that's another thing that can go bad. Uh, if it tastes kind of vinegary or like sherry, then it's you know overly oxidized. Um, the, the best way to keep wine fresh is in the refrigerator, even your red wines. Uh, oh, wow, if you open a bottle of red wine. I've heard these people that don't finish their bottles of red wine when they open them, I'm not sure who they are. I should be shocked. Um, I don't. I'm not really sure what they're doing, but <laughs> or maybe if you're if you're by yourself and you open a bottle of red wine, don't want to drink the whole bottle by yourself. Um, put it in the fridge. Put a cork on it. Put it back in the fridge. Wines, uh, wines will hold for a long time in the fridge. And okay. uh, when you get it out, just pour it up. Hold it in your hands in the glass a little while. It'll warm right back up. Won't hurt it at all. It can go in and out of the fridge. You know that'll that'll preserve it. But um, the best way to tell if a wine is bad is if it tastes bad. Mm-hmm. Simple enough. And okay. that doesn't mean funky. Now, some wines you want that barn floor manure wet hay kind of smell and taste with it, and you pay a lot for that. Right. So, um, but, yeah, buy from a reputable uh, wine merchant, and um, and if it tastes bad, then turn it into vinegar. There you go. We'll leave, it, we'll leave it with the top off and let it sit on your counter for six weeks. It'll turn into vinegar.
0: Okay. All right. Last question from social media. Sure. Um, this one has no name. Um, should you use the middle rack in the oven or the lower rack? Does it vary from recipe to recipe?
1: depends on what you're doing. Um, and depends on how your oven is constructed. Um, that's, that's really just a trial and error thing with your own oven. In a convection oven, theoretically, there's no difference between the middle rack, the bottom rack, and the upper rack. Uh, if you're broiling, you, know, you want to get the, the, whatever you're broiling up close to the heat source. Um, I, most people will tell you just in a conventional home oven, use the middle rack.
0: Okay. All right. That concludes our Q&A session. Um, first and foremost, I want to thank you very much for your oh, my, time doing my this. My pleasure. Um, I always like to give the guests an opportunity to, to share some closing thoughts with the, with the with the show's fans. Also, if you want to talk about your Twitter and Facebook, um, let's sure. do that.
1: Sure. Uh, my Twitter is uh, at Chef Tom Ramsey, and Facebook is uh, J. Thomas Ramsey, the letter J, Thomas Ramsey. Uh, I'm getting ready to convert from a Profile to a page. So I'm not even yeah. sure how all that works. Well, you
0: go to have a fan, see if the, the, the personal page, you can only have five thousand. Like I'm at like
1: forty-eight hundred right that's now. So this is probably one you to go a fan page because you can get. Yeah, help that's that, it. At that she's, point. But um yeah you know, she's going to manage all of but, that. Um, I go on there yeah, most of the times. I go on there and respond to people directly, cool. but. Um, you know, and I have a blog, com. Okay. uh website blog. Uh, there's a lot of video on there. There's, you know, YouTube videos and stuff like that. And uh, I would just encourage people to to just keep cooking. I mean, it's um, I, I'm living proof that you, you don't have to come out of the culinary schools. You don't have to come out of C-school. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to spend an entire career um, cooking to, to, to get it right and to, to reach some, some pretty cool, you know, pretty cool levels um, I started cooking professionally six years ago I'm, 40, wow. I'm 49 years old I just turned 49 and um, in that six years you know I've done two James Beard dinners We've, you know I've got, uh, got my own restaurant you know, I'm working on other projects I've done some TV you can pack a lot in you know yeah. don't, don't be afraid just um, you know, as Basil King said go forth and be bold and mighty forces will come to your aid you know it's uh, good stuff it's it, it, if, if if you're really passionate about something, just go for it. Um, and the show is on Thursdays and ABC um, what time? Thursdays, uh, ABC, that's uh, 7 Central. Okay. Uh, 7 Central, 8 on the East Coast. I don't know what time they do on the West Coast. Um, but, yeah, it's every Thursday. Uh, this this year has seven episodes, and they're all two-hour episodes. Oh, wow, nice. And they they did another twist this year that, that they haven't done in years past. In years past when they got down to the last... Uh, the Red Star chefs, um, the chefs that had the worst dishes, the, the mentors would pick who went home. And, uh, which could be subjective, you know. And so this year, they've done it a little differently. They've, uh, when they get down to the last two, they. Um, how are you doing, Melissa? Good to see you. Uh, when, the, when they get down to the last two this year, they um, go head to head. There's a, there's a head to head cook off. And, That's a little uh, more intense, yeah. It's a lot more intense. Yeah. And um, the mentors don't get the taste. They don't get to touch anything. They can just stand there and, and offer guidance. Oh, wow. And so when it gets down to that last bit, it's head-to-head cooking, and it's fascinating. It really, really is. It's, uh, it's a really cool thing to watch. Good stuff. Well, I appreciate you doing this, man. My pleasure.